You're listening to the ACOG District 2 podcast series on the front line, managing OUD in pregnancy. The views expressed by the speakers and moderators do not necessarily reflect those of the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists. Please note our disclaimer in its entirety on our website, www.acogny.org. I'm your host, Heather Friends. On today's episode, Dr. David Gary will speak to the basics of buprenorphine prescribing and supports needed to start prescribing, including next steps once you receive your waiver. Dr. David Gary is a professor of clinical obstetrics and gynecology at the Renaissance School of Medicine at Stony Brook University. He is a maternal fetal medicine specialist who trained in obstetrics and gynecology at Catholic Medical Center of Brooklyn and Queens, and did his clinical fellowship in maternal fetal medicine, New York Medical College. He now serves as the director of maternal fetal medicine at Stony Brook Medicine. There are a limited number of authorized buprenorphine providers. Some say this is a result of the restrictions imposed by the Drug Addiction Treatment Act of 2000, or otherwise known as the Data 2000. It is noted that just a portion of the practitioners who obtain their waivers ever actually prescribe buprenorphine. Welcome, Dr. Gary. Thank you, Heather, for having me here today. Can you briefly describe the medications used to treat OUD in pregnancy and the differences between them? Methadone and buprenorphine are the two main medications in the management of opioid use disorder in pregnancy. Methadone, which was one of the original medications for the management of opioid use disorder, began in the late 60s and early 70s here in New York. It's a full opioid agonist, which is very similar to heroin and oxycodone, and occupies the mu receptor in the brain. You can start this medication at any time, meaning that you don't need to be in withdrawal from opioid use. There's a great deal of literature surrounding methadone use in pregnancy, but it has some limitations. First, it must be dispensed through an outpatient clinic, referred to as methadone clinics, and there happen to be more in urban settings than there are in rural settings. Because of the clinic-based dispensing of this medication, there's a lot of stigma surrounding methadone. There's also difficulties in transportation to the clinics, and in my area, a great deal of child care issues. Who's going to take care of my child when I go to the methadone clinic? Buprenorphine, the other medication, it is a partial agonist antagonist at the mu receptor in the brain. This means that it must be started when you're in partial or full withdrawal. And if you start it sooner than that, you may risk the precipitation of actual withdrawal. But what are the advantages of buprenorphine? That it's prescribed in an office setting, meaning we provide it during our routine prenatal care. Therefore, that reduces a lot of stigma for patients. Also, because it can be prescribed in an office setting, it's available in rural areas, and the rural areas are the area where opioid use disorder is the most problematic. So, Dr. Gary, what are your thoughts on waiver regulations impeding efforts to promote widespread implementation of buprenorphine? Are there other factors involved? Perhaps stigma may play a role or limited resources, especially in those areas you discussed. The waiver regulations are a hoop to jump through, but they're not the impeding factor in buprenorphine prescribers. Prescribers can choose to take care of women with opioid use disorder, or they can refer them to other providers. It depends on how you want your practice to run. 
It's usually the lack of knowledge or uncomfortableness with opioid use disorder in pregnancy that prevents many from choosing to be prescribers of buprenorphine. And unfortunately, there are still providers who don't want this type of patient in my office. And of course, this results in some serious stigma for patients. So, it sounds like providers may be reluctant due to the comfort level of caring for patients with OUD. You also mentioned that patients need to be in mild to moderate withdrawal prior to initiation. And I wonder if there's some reluctance that's coming from that as well. Do you have any recommendations or strategies in this instance? In the outpatient setting, when I first started prescribing buprenorphine, I was very reluctant. And I was slightly uncomfortable uh, with patients having to be in mild to moderate withdrawal after starting the medication. However, after making several phone calls and contacting them on sort of a daily basis when I started these patients, I began to realize that communication is important if you provide the patients with the appropriate amount of medication in a small amount, meaning several days worth of medication, then follow up with them, that they will find their best dose that works for them, and then you can continue management of the medication with small adjustments as needed. That sounds like a great approach, Dr. Gary. So why did you start offering buprenorphine to begin with, and what are some practice pearls you might offer to those who are looking to start? In Suffolk County, New York, about three to four years ago, there were limited resources for pregnant women with opioid use disorder, and we decided to provide prenatal care and buprenorphine for these women in order to address the opioid epidemic and be part of the solution. Some practice points that I took from starting out was first, remember that the goal is simple. You're trying to prevent deaths from opioid overdose. Secondly, buprenorphine is a relatively safe medication and can be very effective. Third, think that opioid use disorder is a chronic disorder. It's more like hypertension. You're simply educating the patient about the disorder, helping her to make change, and starting a medication which helps control the disorder. Trust and believe your patient. Women with opioid use disorder are not different from our other patients. And counseling is not needed to start women on buprenorphine. However, it is very effective in helping women over time with the management of their addiction. Those are all excellent points. What types of systems should practices have in place or resources available before offering buprenorphine? And what types of supports are needed? The start of buprenorphine or initiation of the medication is referred to as induction. So the induction of buprenorphine involves a team approach. It involves the front desk, the schedulers, the office manager, other physicians, nurse practitioners, or midwives who may be working with you. This is a team approach. And this is sort of how you have to approach this with everyone understanding the protocol and what patients are involved. Communication between providers and communication with the patient is essential. You have to educate the patient regarding the medication, how to access the practice should something unforeseen occur. And the patient should understand where the hospital is located for any kind of emergency. Knowing the contact numbers to your practice in the off hours should be something that the patient knows. Identification of your practice of the comorbidities such as mental health disorders, which are common in opioid use disorder, is important. And knowing what resources exist in your area, including mental health providers, for both inpatient and outpatient, for assistance in the management of these comorbidities in women with opioid use disorder. 
I agree. Communication is so important when working with patients. What about first steps? Can you walk us through a new start on buprenorphine? Assessment of patient readiness is the first step, followed by some basic education for the patient to understand the process and set expectations. A patient agreement needs to be signed, and you should check the New York State Department of Health, the iStop prescription site for opioids when initiating the medication. Urine is typically sent for toxicology with patient consent. A CALS score, a clinical opioid withdrawal scale, is calculated based on the patient's presentation. Once these items have been completed, you can then move to prescribing buprenorphine. Depending on her opioid use, heroin or oxycodone, a mild to moderate withdrawal needs to occur before initiating buprenorphine. I explain this to the patient if she's recently used heroin or oxycodone. So we start by prescribing two milligram tablets for sublingual use. She would take one tablet every two to four hours based on her symptoms of withdrawal. At the end of the day, she'll have taken anywhere from four to eight to 16 milligrams for that day. The next day, she would start with that dose and then add two milligrams every four to six hours as needed for feelings of withdrawal or cravings for unhealthy behavior. I usually contact the patient on the third day and discuss what her dose is, how much medication she has left, and how she's feeling, and what adjustments we need to make. Thank you, Dr. Gary. Where can I get more information? So the National Substance Use Warm Line through the Clinical Consultation Center has been a great free resource for clinician-to-clinician consultation. I've actually used this myself and found it to be very, very helpful. Additionally, New York State AIDS Institute and the New York State Department of Health are working on a buprenorphine waiver trainings for 2020. Excellent. Dr. Gary, thank you so much for this information. It was great speaking with you. Thank you, Heather. Thank you for listening to today's episode. For more information and additional podcasts on managing OUD in pregnancy, visit www.acogny.org and be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ACOGD2 for updates on OUD and other cutting-edge medical education resources.